Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome into a very special episode of Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. I'm your co-host, Connor Hendrickson. Join this week for a very special episode with Brian Ross, the architect of Park Mammoth Golf Club, the site of this weekend's High Cotton Club 2023 Roost Major and NIT Qualifier, the extinction at Park Mammoth. We could not be more excited to have 75 golf sickos congregating in Park City, Kentucky to play the fantastic creation that Mr. Brian Ross has given us. Um, And so we are very grateful for the time that he shared with us today and all the insight that he was able to provide for the folks who may be traveling into town. Hopefully you're getting to listen to this and getting some insight on the golf course before you've actually laid eyes on it. Clay's done a great job of wrapping up all the whole previews on the refuge, but if you're not on the refuge, we hope that you enjoy this interview and conversation with Brian Ross, architect of Park Mammoth Golf Club. Rich, some guys like it quiet, some guys like it loud. This is you know, Gator needs to look like he needs some exercise. I don't know. Of course, the conditions now that he has to play the shot. Welcome into a special episode of Dialed In, a podcast by the High Cotton Club. Repeat guest, Mr. Brian Ross, architect of Park Mammoth Golf Club in Park City, Kentucky. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us ahead of the extinction this weekend. Uh, We're really, really excited for this conversation. So thank you, Brian. How are you doing today? Oh, doing great, Connor. First, thank you. I really appreciate you and everything that you've done for this golf course. And uh, I'm really excited for this weekend, too. I'm flying in. Friday morning and driving up from Nashville, so it's going to be a going to be a great time. Looking forward to seeing you again and meeting a bunch of other guys. Absolutely, um, yeah. I, I've said it a million times already, but this weekend is going to be one to remember. And and having you there, I think it's just going to it's going to add a layer to it. And I again, like you said, I can't wait to just hang out with you, have a couple cold drinks with you, and uh, watch some great shots and and some not so great shots as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I believe there will probably be a little bit of both. But, um, yeah, but it, very, very excited, and uh, I'm just thrilled to see the growth of this event over the last year. So, you know, started out a little small, kind of had your second one, got a little momentum, but this thing has kind of ballooned, and it's beautiful to see. Absolutely. Shout out the folks at No Lang Up who kind of set us up to have one roost major and have people travel for it. And so thank you to everybody who is maybe listening to this as you're traveling in, um, getting ready to compete for those two NIT spots. But for those who may have not listened to the episode that, that we recorded before, um, you know, when Park Mammoth was just first kind of opening, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the project and how the project came to be. Yeah, sure. So Park Mammoth was a golf course that existed for over 50 years 
Uh, it went through several iterations. It was built in the 1960s and was quite successful, really, for its first couple of decades. A lot of people traveled there, and there there was a 200-room lodge up on top of the hill, uh, just up from the golf course, and they owned the golf course. And, um, you know, people would travel there. We had people during construction would stop by from Minnesota and Wisconsin. People would come down, stay at the lodge every year and play golf. So that, you know, in that whole kind of area around Cave City where there's a lot of kind of touristy stuff, and, you know, right outside the door to Mammoth Cave, there, you know, a lot of people would uh, kind of make that trip down a year, on a yearly basis and play the golf course. And over time, it kind of fell into disrepair and went through a couple of different owners who maybe their priorities weren't weren't really aligned with golf. And uh, eventually went into a bankruptcy auction. And so that's, that's kind of where we came in. And my, my client, Dave Chandler, who's a you know real estate guy just down the road in Bowling Green, was looking for some land just for recreation, just wanted a piece of land where he could ride four-wheelers and take his buddies and, and hang out. And so he went to the <clears throat> went to the auction and, and purchased the property sight unseen. And they got down there after the auction, and he's like, oh, there's a golf course here. And he was like, you know, I remember playing out here maybe once in the in the 80s or 90s. And, and um, he really didn't intend to to bring the golf course back. It had been closed for for a few months at that time. I think it had closed in maybe in November the previous year, and this was in, in January. And uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of people kept asking, hey, Dave, what are you going to do with the golf course, you know? And, and so he started thinking, like, well, maybe – there's something to do this place, you know, maybe, maybe there's something worth looking at here. And about that same time, I had found an article just doing a little bit of research, looking for project leads. And I found out this guy purchased it and I had reached out to his business partner at the time and, uh, you know, kind of got it, got, got in the door with those guys. And uh, we were kind of the first ones to reach out and, and went up and met him on site a couple weeks later. And, and it really just, uh, really just snowballed from there and this is in in february 2020 uh so you know right before kind of the whole world shut down and and um started out as kind of just a small project you know we were going to basically bring the place back going to regrass add a few bunkers but we weren't to do a whole lot of a whole lot of work out there really weren't really touching the greens besides a couple of them and, and about i don't know maybe two weeks into the thing, he came up to me. He's like, you think it's weird? We're spending all this money, but we're not really touching the greens and not really fixing them up. And I told him, you know, I, I think if I was going to do anything, you know, before adding bunkers or, or building new tees or anything like that, I'd make, make the greens right. And it just kind of went from there. He, he looked at me for about 15 seconds. And he's like, all right, let's do them. And so once that became a part of the project, then we could really start looking, okay, maybe we can actually make some routing changes and fix some of these little problem areas out here. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this thing ballooned from something I thought might be just kind of a, you know, keep the ball rolling minor project into something that's really been uh, just monumental for my business. Well, for it, it's a truly a great story, and I appreciate you sharing that. For the folks who haven't, you know, uh, heard and, and want to hear more, I encourage them to go check out the episode that we recorded with you last year. Um, we get a lot deeper into all that stuff, but we have 18 holes to dive into today. So, without taking too long, let's go ahead and start start going at it. Um, you know, with 
people traveling in, like I mentioned, some folks who have not seen the golf course coming, wanting to, to play well, wanting to compete well, but also wanting to enjoy the golf course. Overall, what can they expect from the golf course, first of all? Yeah, I think you can expect that. You know, I think the first thing you'll see when you're driving in is just how wide open everything is, you know, really long vistas. You can see 15, uh, 15 holes from the parking lot, basically from the area where the clubhouse will be. Um, so, you know, it's kind of all laid out there in front of you. It's, um, if you look at the scorecard, you'll see 6,200 yard par 70, uh, you know, might not really get your blood pumping if you're a longer hitter, but it is the longest 6,200 yards I've ever played. It is without a doubt. There's a lot of, uh, half par holes out there. Um, a lot of par fours that are three and a half, but there's also a few that are four and a half. And, uh, you know, the, the par threes are, really challenging the three of them in particular and 11 depending on where the pin is can be just as tough so you've seen plenty of double bogeys on that old um but you know i think it's um it's a course where you're going to hit a lot of shots it, it really values accuracy and and angles being in the right place doesn't necessarily help if you can hit it 300 yards but you're on the wrong side of the fairway it might be uh, might be set up for failure there so you, know, you really have to kind of know the golf course. I think it's some it's a place where where you probably won't quite get it on one play. So I'm glad you guys are going around two times, maybe three, three or four times from some of the guys that are going to play on Friday. So. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely one that I mean, I, I shot uh, 78 the first time that I played it on opening day, and that's I've played it a, better a couple times, but I played it worse a couple times. But that's about where I fall on the golf course. Um, and as a as a six seven handicap, I guess that's about where I should fall. So, I, you know, just just because it's, a, you know, like you said, a, a par 70, 6,200-yard golf course, it's a course that I would say ask you to hit every club in the bag. And I think for me, that's that's the mark of a great golf course and uh, a whole lot of fun shots out there. So let's dive into it. First hole, what do you have uh, ahead of you? Yeah, so first hole right out of the gate, this this used to be – so we one thing to note before I answer it, just in case I, I kind of get confused here, is we, we changed the routing. Early on, so before the back nine was the front nine, the front nine was the back nine. So the first hole was the tenth hole, and it plays uh, out to the east across the valley, basically. So Park Man is in basically a ball-shaped valley. So the majority of the holes play up or down the valley, but there are a few holes, one eighteen and uh, fifteen, kind of uh, five and seven that play kind of across the valley. And so one kind of gets you started and you head out, you know, right down the hill with your key shot. There's a, a big sinkhole over on the right side of the golf course. I think the, the first hole is a, a really nice indicator of what your day is going to be out there. It has a little bit of all the, all the things you're going to see over the course of your round with the exception of bunkers. So there's no bunkers on the hole, but uh, there is tall fescue, especially this time of year. Stuff's really getting up there and uh, starting to grow and, waving the wind and uh, see, you know, you have to be intelligent with your tee shot. Ideally, you kind of like to hug the right side of that hole. I think it, it definitely improves the angle into the green. I think the further left you go, which is a much safer route, but you kind of, then you start playing down the green lengthwise and there's, there's a mound that's back left that can really kind of mess with your depth perception and makes it pretty much a blind approach from the left side. Um, so, yeah, kind of 
first of all, I don't think I like the first hole quite as much as you do. I know you, you said it, I think in the past that it's your favorite hole out there. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it is, I think, a good indicator of what's to come. Yeah, I think my, my opinion's probably changed a little bit, but it, it's still one of my favorite opening holes that I've ever played. And uh, so I think that it's, you know, obviously with a shotgun start on Saturday, not everybody will get that experience, but hopefully in the practice round, all the guys who are participating in that will get to experience that. Um, I'm going to ask you this for Evergreen. Do you have a favorite hole location area for that green? Yeah, on one, I'm like far back right. So basically where you'd be over close to the road, I think it's a, it's a much longer hole. It's very difficult to get all the way over there. Totally agree. It brings all the the trouble that can be in play into play on the second shot. I yeah. I would agree with that. That's that's a good one. All right, number two. There was no bunkers on one. We have bunkers now. Yeah. So two crosses what used to be the entrance road to the course, and right now it it still goes up to the top of the mountain, but it's really not not used for daily traffic much. People do drive through there a little bit, but. You cross the road, and then so you're playing back to the west. And so the second hole is really, I think, that the moment where you kind of get that first visual, like, whoa, on that hole. And it, it makes you kind of take a step back, and, and you're looking at the scorecard. I think it's around 330 yards. You're like, oh, man, what am I going to do here? Because, you know, everything visually is kind of dominated by the, the two green feature there. So the second green and the fourth green are right beside each other. They're separated by about a 5,000 square foot bunker that's – I don't know, eight or nine feet below the second green. And then you also have kind of a, a cross bunker that's coming into the fairway at about 265. So you really have to start – you have to think about your tee shot on that hole particularly because the, the smart play is just lay it up, hit something just short of that bunker. Maybe, maybe that's five wood or the hybrid or whatever it is that you hit, you know, about 250. Um but it's also all right there in front of you. It's so inviting just to try to pound driver because you can drive that green. It's been done. I've seen it done. So it, it it's kind of hard to to avoid the temptation on that. But if you push it over to the left at all, you're going to have a really tough pitch up over that bunker face. Yeah, and if you're trying to carry the, the cross bunker on the right and you lose it just a little bit right, the native grass is it is luscious right now. Um, so <laughs> it is. So, you know, there, there's obviously a few spots that you can kind of find your golf ball, but there's a few spots that if it goes in there, you're just not going to find that golf ball, even though you probably don't want to. Yeah, that's something we debated a little bit early on, and then there is over 20 acres of native grass out there in play on the golf course. We've made the quarters very wide, I mean, minimum 50 yards from native to native on at any time. Um, but it's, it is out there, and it's in play, and, and that kind of goes back to that just – kind of demanding accuracy over just brute strength. Hey everybody, this is High Cotton Club Captain Connor Hendrickson coming to you with a couple questions. Are you tired of counting up dots? Do you get annoyed typing in six-letter codes for every tournament or yelling across fairways to find out other group scores? Or maybe you're the guy at your club with binders and spreadsheets stacked up to track handicaps and scores for your group games. If you are, you need unknown golf. Unknown Golf is the scoring system that weekend warriors everywhere have been waiting for. Unknown gives every player a live leaderboard for their game and integrates a real handicap data into every tournament, weekend game, and individual round played. It'll even post to the USGA for you. Now, we've all seen live scoring apps before, but what sets Unknown apart is the ability to track every side better game that you can imagine simultaneously. 
Just hit the challenge button at any point during your round to add additional bets, presses, or challenge any other person using the app. All bets and scores are displayed on an easy-to-read dashboard, and data is tracked and easily searched to discover long-term trends and totals. For the individual, Unknown Golf tracks net, gross, and course-specific scoring averages, among dozens of other data points. All of the High Cotton Club uses Unknown Golf, and you should too. Visit unknowngolf.com to create your player profile and download the app. Unknown Golf, the scoring app for the serious casual golf. All right, so number three, proper par five, I, w- I would say in my opinion. Um, what what are your thoughts on the whole? Yeah, I think, you know, three, it's about 550. I'm sure someone has gotten there in two at some point. They wouldn't have known it from, from their second shot, but they probably hit it in two. I'm sure someone has. But We played a little right scramble there. yesterday, and off of somebody else's drive, I was able to hit driver off the deck to the center of the green. Oh, uh, well, okay. Well, there you go. So someone has done it, but yeah, it's a, it's fun hole. I think, you know, when I, when I say that the, the golf course is in a bowl shaped Valley, it's, it's a bowl shaped Valley, but it also has a lot of waves in it. And so three is the first time when you actually play up and down the Valley. So you're playing that hole to the South, which is generally into the wind. Um, not always, but usually. And, and the, the tee shot is, dominated by these two bunkers and we we tried to be intelligent with their placement during construction we wanted them to appear closer together than they are so the, the first bunker on the right is just about a 235 carry and then it's 275 to reach the second one but we we made the second one larger the first one a little smaller and tried to make them seem like they were a little closer together than they are so they kind of pinched the landing area visually but there's a lot more room between the two than, than it appears so really the ideal line is just take it right over the the ones on the right because the fairway dart is back around and kind of around that bunker on the left. So if you can play the further right, you can play and kind of have the right side of the fairway, the better your angle is going to be on your second shot. But you're also perfectly fine. Just kind of hit the one down there at the bottom 250, 260, and you're in good shape. But you're going to have a completely blind second shot, basically no matter where you are. So that was kind of the challenge on the second shot, which is not really knowing your depth perception and just having to pick a number and trust it. Um, on your layup so you know you can try to hit one down there as close to the green as you can or maybe you know say you're 250 out you pick your 150 and and set yourself up nice with the with the club and a shot that you know you have so that's kind of the, the decision to make on the second shot and then then the green itself so on the third shot i think three is one of my favorite greens it's uh it's got a lot going on i mean there's i, I love building greens that are they have a bunch of smaller greens inside of the bigger greens basically just a you know, four or five, sometimes six or seven different kind of pinnable areas within a green. And three is one of those where depending on the pin is going to drastically change the way you play the whole, I mean, the back left pin is obviously the, I think the star, I think that's the, the Sunday pin, you know, back there. It, it's really fun to kind of watch someone hit one up there, just left the middle of the green and watch that thing trickle down the, the back for the hole. It's uh, just one of those really fun moments in golf when you watch the ball moving along the ground like that. Uh, totally agree. I was able to pull that shot off from my wedge shot the other day, uh, not from deep, but um, still one of those holes that I, I said proper par five. I guess it really, like you said, depends on how you play it. We've had so many guys who have started bell out just towards four and and just avoid those bunkers because if you do just – if you take it over that bunker that, that you're saying to take it over and you miss it just right, like same thing on two, you can be in that native grass – and, and that stuff, you know, you can turn a, a birdieable par five into a six or a seven really quickly. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yep. 
So you, your favorite whole location back left there, I would agree with that. Number four, that's, what a par four. Yeah, I mean, four, four is really a, a par five, too, in a sense. It's about 450 from the back tee, and we added that back tee. The, the hole before was just over 400 yards. I kind of played from the middle tee, and we wanted to try to lengthen that a little bit. The, there's not really anything guiding you visually on that shot there's there's a little patch of native grass left and and some native grass up the right side of the hole on the car path but beyond that you're kind of just swinging blind and, and you know you're another tee shot where you're probably not going to see where your ball ends up um, so you kind of just have to, to hit and hope but then when you crest that hill is is really a cool moment when you see that fourth green and that that, that huge bunker in the back and then the second green kind of towering up there above it and you know you're probably going to have 175, 200 yards in. It's kind of a a little, uh, I guess a little um, joke that we played or, but that, you know, we, we thought it'd be kind of fun to build the smallest green on the course on the longest par four. And, and then we built the biggest green on the course, not kind of the double green on the shortest hole on the course. So it was kind of a, you know, a, a little uh, a nod to, standard practice in golf architecture which is would be to say oh you know if you have a longer par four you should make the green bigger so it, it fits the scale and and you know you can build a tiny green on a par three because it's on a short par three because oh you got a wedge in your hand but so we wanted to kind of defy the odds a little bit on that one and uh so the fourth green you know is a little tame it's certainly much tamer than the third or the second green and um but there's a there's a nice little valley almost like a thumbprint i guess but like just a little bit of a valley front middle on that green that's kind of my favorite spot just right over the right over the rise as you pop the green yeah the green itself definitely not one of the wildest out there but the green complex as a whole is is so solid because you know if you miss it a little bit left you're up above the hole there's, you know, the whole green is kind of elevated a little bit around the front to where if you're trying to kind of bounce one in there it it could not, but if you run one up there, it could. Um, and then on the back, if you miss it, you're you're going to be way below the hole, hitting back up. Um, so, yeah, a, a really good proper par four leading into a par three and a half by <laughs> every definition. Yeah, the fifth is absolutely par three and a half. It's a really cool hole. We did almost nothing to that hole um, from a routing perspective. We moved the tees over about 15 yards from where they were before to the right. So we kind of changed the angle slightly, but I mean, that, that that's such a fun hole. You just don't see very many really long uphill part threes in golf. And that was a hole we liked a lot from the get-go. And so we didn't do much to it. We didn't change the green at them, made it bigger, but um, pretty pretty good golf hole there. It's a very challenging hole. Again, there, there's a saving bunker left. I think if most people who hit that bunker are glad they're there because if you miss it left, you're – you're probably not going to find your ball, and um, but again, all the world in the uh, all the room in the world to miss right. You can also bounce a ball up there from the right. There's some some nice kind of wavy features that we built just the, the front right of the green that uh, where you can kind of feed one in there from that direction if you can get the ball to move the right way. So, uh, but yeah, really challenging all part of you know kind of the middle of a really challenging section of the course four through six. Can confirm that grass to the left of the bunker, the native, that's probably the thickest on the golf course right now. Um, a buddy hit it into that the other day. I was like, 
love you, but I'll see you on the green. That that stuff is uh, – he just left it, abandoned it. Um, but, yeah, and you're talking about all those kind of features on the right. A little, like, reverse for Danny, but there's all these swells and swopes. Yeah, that, the green does fall on the back left. After you front. There, there's a little bit of a rise in the middle of the green, and the green does fall off back left a little bit behind that. So you, you definitely can get to the back left pin on the ground. Yeah, but – you can also get the rub of the green and one of those little swells that you were talking about and where it just kind of sits there and it doesn't do what you need. So you can get the right hops or just a not great hop. And, and that's just the rub of the green. And that's what makes yeah. that one so much fun. Yeah. You can hit almost the exact same shot twice and end up in a totally different place for sure. And you mentioned tough stretch running through six. So six, um, another one of those that it, it's kind of tough to pick and commit to a sight line. It is. Yeah. Again, six, you don't really see the green from the tee. Uh, there's there's not a whole lot visually there to tell you what to do that and and the, the whole cascades downhill i don't know 50 60 feet i would say from the top of the hill to the bottom and uh, the fairway is uh, probably the widest fairway on the course though so you, there is a little bit of uh of reward there there's out of bounds left there the lone home basically it's on the golf course is one behind three green but basically the only home on the golf course is, is left of six and so there is some out of bounds over there you have to be careful with and one thing that we did to kind of um to reward accuracy on that is we built a little speed slide in the fairway there so that we did do quite a bit of reshaping in that fairway just because balls wouldn't stay on top so sometimes i mean no matter what you hit if you hit it a five iron or, or driver, it was all going to go down to the bottom on the right. So we, we did quite a bit of reshaping just to try to get, you know, create a few little pockets where balls would stop up on the hill and also keep everything from falling down the hill to the right. So, um, but we cut that little speed slot in there where you could really gain good 40 or 50 yards if you can get that line and, uh, and end up, you know, on a 400 yard hole, it's, it's pretty easy to hit a 300 yard drive there if you can catch that slot. So. And, and you need to because, that green, and especially if if you're going to say the whole location that I think you're going to say, um, you need a short club in because it is a tiny little area that you're trying to land the ball. Yeah, it is. Six is a really subtle but really fun little green. There's a kind of a high front right that I like a lot, and then there's a, a little bit of a swell. I wouldn't call it a beer it's by any means, but there, there is a little swell until you come back up to, to a back left. But, um, but yeah, I like that front right, and it's, it's kind of a – an interesting angle, especially if you've ended up down on the right where you anything that goes past that pin is going to go down through that valley and you're probably going to have a you know, pretty tough butt coming back up. Yeah, and, and if you miss the green to the left, you have a, a lot of short grass. If you miss the green to the right, you're above the hole and you're probably just out of luck. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, so seven, the par three. Um Something interesting that I had never seen before. I had seen that it was there, but I'd never gotten to play it is the alternate tee box. Um, so I got to play that yesterday. But just just walk us through that hole from from kind of both angles, I guess. Yeah, so like five, seven, the part three, this one plays across a pond, the only place on the golf course where you can hit it into the water. Um, that hole, like five, was very similar to – to where it ended up, we actually shortened it just a tad. Uh, I was trying to create a little bit more separation between the yardages on the part threes out there. And, um, so seven plays basically along a driveway on the left. And so there is trouble very close on the left side of the green. There's a bunker front left and the, 
the green is separated by a really gnarly ridge that kind of runs down the center of the green from the front middle to the back middle. And yeah, I mean, it, it's a, uh, it's a fun little part three. I think that the front left pan just over the bunker where you can, again, you can kind of catch that little bit ridge similar to the number three in a way where you can kind of hit a ball into the middle of the green and work it down to the pin there. But it's also very easy to end up on the high right side where you're going to have a really big swinger uh, down to that pin. And that the alternate tee was one of the last things we added. It was just kind of walking off six green and one day people were like, man, this is a pretty cool angle from over here too. We should just toss one in there. You know, they may never use it, but you know, it was just one of those little like four hour projects that, that, that you know, they've actually continued to maintain as tea, which is nice to see. So. Yeah, it is. I've, I saw it a long time ago and I've wanted to play it. So the opportunity to play it in that shot yesterday, it was front, right. So you're trying to, you know, land it on this, this little upside down bowl, like you were talking about earlier, greens within greens, and that right side is a green unto its own. And uh, yeah, very, very difficult. And the the green surrounds on that one, you know, like you said, you have the bunker short left. But if you miss it to the right, there's a lot of short grass where that ball can bounce away from. And and if you're just hell bent on staying inbounds and, and keeping it right, you can have I've seen guys have 45, 50 yard wedge shots coming into that green. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a safer play than attacking that left hand no doubt about that but you're going to be uh, you're going to have a really tough job um eight i believe did you call this the signature hole before yeah i hate that term i i i'd say it's my favorite hole i think okay it's, um, i think it's kind of that that moment you get driving in when you see that green like what what i wanted to do there is i wanted to make a statement there so even before you've played a golf ball, I wanted you to see that green when you were driving in the entrance road because you kind of crest this little blind hill and all of a sudden I just wanted to be like, bam, here's what it is today. Like, this is going to be some fun. So went a little went a little wild on number eight. It's uh, you know, it's probably 40-yard wide green by, in some places, 10 or 11 feet. In other places, a little more. So it's kind of a a C-shaped green, or an N-shape, I suppose, a lowercase N with a wrapped around a center line bunker that's, I don't know, 250, 300 square feet, something like that. And then there's a another large bunker that we cut into a hillside behind the green as well that's generally out of play. I'm sure I'm sure some people get in trying to – It will be in play Saturday, I can assure you, with one of these <laughs> locations. It will fully be in play. back right on Saturday. No, we're gonna go right over the. We're gonna go right in between the two bunkers. Oh, right over the bunker. Yeah. So I mean that that area is incredibly narrow right there. It's in a way it's the antithesis of the twelfth in Augusta. You know, everyone always says just hit it in the middle of the green there. Like the pins left, <laughs> don't go after if the pins right. Just hit it in the middle of the green. But eight's kind of like you might be all right if you just go left or right, but you don't necessarily want to attack that pin. Absolutely. That's going to be I mean, a, a commit to your number and execute type shot. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a spot where I'm going to sit and watch the balls come in. It's, I love I love every day on my lunch break. And I'd go to one of two places after the golf course is open when I was back from the driving range. I'd usually sit up on the hill over in that parking lot on eight and just watch people try to play that hole. Because, again, another one of those where you know, the number you see on the scorecard is not indicative of the challenge ahead. Well, another one of those uh, holes that you struggle with the sideline off the tee, I have gotten progressively worse. Um, I I cannot hit the fairway anymore. 
first time it's like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's super wide. Just go hit it right up there at the trees and you're fine. Not the case anymore. I'm either out of bounds or in the tall grass, right? Um, I'm taking driver out of the bag there. What, what do you kind of see? And what did you think on that, that tee shot? Yeah. So again, like, like several others, it's a blind tee shot. You're, if you hit driver, you're not going to see your ball where it ends up. You may see it land, but you won't see where it ends up. And so the, the whole kind of cascade down from the left to the right, not severely, but enough that it's going to move your ball along the ground. And so we, we wanted to create almost a, a false dog leg there. So there's not a dog leg. It's really a pretty straight hole, but the, the idea is really that if you can kind of carry and hug the left side as much as possible, your, your ball is going to bounce out to the right and you're going to end up in the middle of the fairway. But again, there's challenge there with the entrance road. You're, you know, you're, you're challenging out of bounds. I'm personally, I hit three iron there, have a full, full wedge or nine iron, whatever, into that green. I, I have no problem doing that. I typically, uh, I think, especially on, you know, depends on the left. You don't want to be on the right side of the fairway and vice versa, where you're going to have to challenge that center bunker. So it's better for me if you just lay back and, and, and it also rewards the person. And there's a, a, a few other moments where this is the case as well, but it, if you're paying attention when you drive in, you know, you're going to, um, you're going to be rewarded that day because you're not going to be able to know where the pin's at when you're on the tee box. But if you paid attention coming in, you'll know. That one. And I'm always looking at three, although I don't know what help that does me. Cause I still don't know which angle I need for which hole location. Um, but yeah, I'm always trying to peek. Yeah. I mean, eight, nine, uh, are, are both important there. I think 18, it matters. I think if you pay attention just to 18 green itself, I think it's important to, to know what you can get away with there. Um, yeah, there's a few of those. So nine coming off of a, a relatively short par four with eight where, you know, most players will have a wedge or, or short iron in their hand. Um, nine, everybody should have that case, if not a couple guys driving the green. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole stretch, eight through 11, is, is really, you know, three straight pretty short par fours and then a really short par three. And a, um, but we wanted to make sure that each one of those holes was vastly different unique from each other they weren't just the same hole over and over it's not just driver wedge driver wedge driver wedge so you know nine uh super wide fairway um a lot of just crazy rolls at this point you're playing back north toward the clubhouse typically going to be somewhat downwind um i think it's like 310 315 in the middle of the green um but as you get closer to the green the, the fairway kind of progressively narrows up and and the green is probably the least work we did on any golf green out there. It was the only green out there that wasn't just sloped hard back front. It actually already had the double plateau there. And, um, so we, the only thing we really did was kind of carve out that one section on the upper level that, that just to create a little bit of extra challenge and also to maybe help people slow balls down. Because if you're, if you're on the upper level of that green, it, it's – under firm conditions, it's very difficult to keep it on the green if you're trying to butt down to the lower level. So um, the, the real challenge on nine is is like eight is that you can you can take too much. You can bite off too much on the tee shot. I, the ideal line for me is to take one right at that tree that kind of overhangs that, that's about 15 yards short of the green and just try to, let again, let the land move it a little bit left and right. But again, you got native grass, tall grass over there, rocks, and and so there's all kinds of, of hazard 
with that line. But the, the worst thing you could possibly do, especially if the pin's in the back, is to just blow one up there on the right. Then you have to play over this, this kind of wall of bunkers to a green that when you're approaching it from the right, the closer you get to the green, the more narrow your, your landing area is. I mean, you're talking about a green that's probably, I don't know, 18 to 20 feet wide all the way up from front to, from front to back. So, again, another one of those where maybe just a little, be a little more, more judicious on the tee. Um, you know, typically when you're playing at one through nine at that point in the round, you're going to kind of know what you got with the driver and make your determination there. But, you know, it, it's a place where most people don't lay up, but maybe a few should. Yes, a very fun hole. And like you said, where you try to take your line, um, would you say that before we get into the back nine, that it's kind of a theme of Park Mammoth that although it's wide, if you want to make birdie, if you want to have the best shot at even eagle or birdie, you have to take it as close to the treble as you can. Yeah, 100%. And again, a lot of that has to do with just how much movement there is in the land up there. Like there are very few places where – where you hit the balls, where it's going to end up on, on a line between you and the pole. So, I mean, it's always going to be moving left or right, depending on where you're at. So, um, 100%, though, the, the closer you can get, you can challenge whatever the hazard is. A lot of times it's, it's native, but sometimes it's bunkers. The more you're going to get rewarded on From today's episode to talk to you about the fine folks at the Rudder at Anchor High Marina in Hendersonville, Tennessee, Patrick Patton continues to crush everything that he does with the High Cotton Club, and we could not be more thankful for all of his work to set us up for a strong year and help us kick things off for the extinction and the next season. And we kick things off for the High Cotton Classic at the Rudder, as we always do a couple weekends ago. It was a great time to have everybody gather around. Unfortunately, the Masters got delayed with the weather, but the vibes were still high at the Rudder at Anchor High Marina. So whether you're looking for good food, good drinks, or just a great place to hang out as this beautiful weather is coming into Middleton, Tennessee this spring. Make sure that you check out the Rudder at Anchor High Marina at 126 River Road in Hendersonville, Tennessee. You can give them a call at 615-348-0129. They're open Tuesday through Thursday, 11 to 10, Friday through Saturday, 11 to 11, and Sunday, 11 to 10, with happy hour Tuesday through Friday, 2 to 6, excluding their events like we had with the High Cotton Kickoff. And they have live music all the time throughout the spring, so make sure you check out the schedule on their website, therudderahm.com. That's the Rudder. A-H-M, like anchorhighmarina.com. Make sure you check out the rudder and tell them the High Cotton Club sent you. Now, without any further ado, back to today's episode. So after the front nine, you get to a, uh, a visually appealing, uh, a visually intimidating as well, you know, if, if you're a short hitter like I am, par four, tenth. Um, really, you talked about on the last couple of holes, you got to make a decision here and be judicious with what you're going to do off the tee. Yeah, so I'll I'll start by saying that I think the front nine is is good. I think there's really not a weak hole on the front nine, but I absolutely love the back nine. I think it's my it's my happy place. It's where I always go during work. There's a certain place I'll talk about later, but um, I just feel I always felt like it was the better part of the property. And before it was the front nine, and and so. The first hole in particular, so what is now number 10, was the worst hole on the course. I mean, without a doubt, it was before you played generally out from the same place where you tee off into the same landing area, but there was another, so there, you know, there's a large oak tree 
left of the fairway there. There was another large oak tree there. And so you played out into that fairway, but then you played back up to present day 11th grade. And it, so it was like a like a 120 yard dog leg and maybe 280, 285. And you had about a 17 yard window between these two oak trees to try to play your second shot. So most people would just blow it past the fairway into the rough intentionally and then just pitch one back up the hill to the green. It, it was just a really dreadful hole. And so that was the moment where we, you know, we were like, okay, we can build new greens out here. Like this is an area we got to fix. And I was standing on the tee and I was looking out up the valley. And I'm just like, man, the back of that 13th green or what was number four at the time. And that just looks really nice like, you know, place for a green, but I don't think the hole will be long enough unless we combine them. So maybe we should combine them. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not St. Andrews. That's a, that's a pretty classic golf feature. So, you know, we, we started looking into that, but then we're like, okay, well, we got to get to 11 and then we got to get to 12. And so, you know, Chester Bethel, who I'm sure you know, and anybody who's played out of Park Mammoth is that Chester. He's just one of the greatest dudes in the world. And he's, he's really the, the primary reason why this golf course still exists, uh, you know, beyond Mr. Chandler, even more important than me. Um, Chester had made a hole in one on the old 11th hole, which was a part three. And so we knew that, you know, if we were going to change this part of the property, we had to really do it right. So we, you know, we, we knew we could get 10 right. And so then we had to create, you know, this really kind of short part three, which I love. I think it's a great feature. I think it's massively underused in golf. Everyone just tries to get in that 165 range. And, and uh, you know, it's, there's just absolutely nothing wrong with just having a way in your hand on the tee. And, um, and so then the, the last piece of the puzzle was figuring out what to do with number 12. And the green side of that hole was great. I mean, it's one of my favorites out there. And, but to get to it, we were going to have to either backtrack all the way to the tee from number 11 to play from there out of the valley, or we were going to have to take out about a, a one-acre section of forest. And uh, Luckily, Mr. Chandler went for the forest option. And so, you know, we get to cut some trees down and, and create kind of a – one of the one of the really cool tee shots on the golf course, I think. So, so that whole area of the property is really the, the biggest change that we made to the whole golf course, especially from a routing perspective. And um, couldn't be happier with how it turned out. But so now we'll get back to number ten. Now that I got that out of the way. But uh, so so yeah, number ten. You know, third par four under three hundred fifty yards in a row, and there was a really Really nice little, I guess you'd call it a wash. It's just a little swale that kind of cut through the fairway there. And I spent the entire year 2020 making sure that people didn't mess that up because I thought it was the really it was the nicest natural feature out there on the golf course. It's just just something that that water had created as it kind of flowed down the valley over the last 50 years. And so I really wanted to preserve that feature and make that a part of the new tent hole. And it is right in the landing zone. So that hole is massively downhill from the tee. It's almost always downwind. And it, it definitely tempts you to just give it a rip. And, I mean, I've seen people drive that green. Um, you know, it's 335, I think. But downhill, downwind, you know, a, a long hitter can get there. And so we wanted to kind of leave that strip there. As a swell, it didn't always necessarily intend for it to be native grass, but we kind of 
we just kind of worked it back and got ended up at that point. But but I think it really works as it is because again, that's another area where you know, you have to think, okay, what am I gonna hit here? Three iron, hybrid, five wood, like what's gonna get me in the right place? Because it's another example of a place where the, your ball's not gonna land and stay there. It's gonna kick either forward, it's gonna kick down to the right, just depending on kind of where you hit in the fairway there. And so sometimes you can even be trying to lay up and end up in the in the native. So definitely a, a thought provoking tee shot. And, you know, as we mentioned before, we, we ended up connecting 10 and 13 green. Uh, there's a, a massive ridge that runs between the two of them. I, I know that balls occasionally will end up on the 13 part of the green from number 10. It's probably less common. It's probably more common for balls on 13 to end up on 10, but, um, but it, you know, it, it definitely has been done and it's going to create a, a really memorable, but very difficult putt. Um, my favorite pin position on 10, it's just front left, just right out of the false front, tucked against the bunker. Thousand uh, percent. Yeah, just a just a really cool little feature. And I, I really like how that green kind of just naturally ties into the grade all the way along the right. But the further left you go, the steeper it gets and it just kind of drops off there. So we're gonna get um we're gonna get dicey with the whole locations on 10 and 13. We're gonna see if some guys, you know. We're going to keep keep everybody with their head on their swivel, try to provoke some of those, uh, you know, memory-inducing shots that you were talking about. Absolutely. Hey, and it's camaraderie, too. You get to see your buddies as they're playing the course. So you hold up, and it's perfect. Exactly. No, it, it, that is really a, a great stretch, especially for an event like this. Um, we talked about it because it's in the Valley, but you can see or holler at somebody from, from so many places, and you'll see other guys all throughout the day. And so especially in, in an event like this where – you know, you're seeing your buddy, you know, three holes away and you get to, you know, give him a little hand gesture or whatever you want to do, you know, a little thumbs yeah. down, Masa Minos. That, that little ridge that 10 and 13 green sits on is, is so awesome. It's such a cool place on the property because you're standing on either one of those greens. There's guys on 11 tee, there's guys on 12 fairway, there's guys on 14 tee, and there's guys on 17 fairway. So you got like yeah, you know, just a, a lot of intermingling going on there, a lot of uh, paths being crossed. That's a great spot, and uh, 10 will be the first hole of our derby, and then we're just going to play uh, straight into uh, 14, I believe. So okay. we'll go 10, 10, or, yeah, 10 to 14, and then, uh, then wrap it up like that. I believe that's speaking, – speaking out of turn here, but number 11, we, we talked about the par 3, short par 3 with, like you said, the, the largest green on the golf course um, outside of the double green. So many little greens within that green. Um, yeah, you know, that's so – the 11th green was a bit of a concept green for me. I, I, I knew I wanted it to be a big green from the beginning. But I kind of had this idea that I had been toying with a little bit. It was, it's in regard to the seven deadly sins. And I, I kind of wanted to build a green that, that kind of played on those. And so I, I, I kind of spent a couple days over there, and it just all kind of started making sense to me. And so there – there's a little element of each of those. Uh, I don't necessarily have to go into them, but uh, I think it, it's a it's pretty cool how it worked out. So the green is kind of dominated by again similar to eight, but even smaller little pot bunker that's you know 120 square feet probably. And then there's another bunker that's short right that that probably doesn't see a ton of play, but it's really more just visual and to kind of tie the native into the hillside. And um, but but my favorite feature of that golf hole is that you can see a pin that's back left or a pin that's front right, and you're like, is that even on the green? 
it doesn't look like it is. You know, the green looks inviting right there in the middle. But, I mean, there's so much going on along the edges. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, just thrilled with how that one turned out. And, again, it was it was replacing Chester's hole-in-one green, so I knew it had to be like, pretty good. And there's been several hole-in-ones out there on that hole. Yeah, recently. I think there was one this weekend. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is gettable, but it's it's also it can get you too. Yeah, I believe one of our guys who uh, just joined up and is playing in the event, Lee Taylor, I believe he was one of the guys who got it recently. Um, so, you know, obviously good vibes for him on that hole. I feel like you can hit a really, really good shot and make it, or you can hit just a so-so shot and the slopes will take you right where you need to be. And so that's yeah, what absolutely. makes it so exciting. Um, it's number 12, uh, proper ass par four. Yeah, it's a, it's a proper par four without a doubt. So like I mentioned, that, that D-box is actually there. It played downhill to that, to that old 11 green. And that was one of Mr. Chandler's favorite places on the golf course. That's kind of why that pavilion is built up in that area. He just wanted to be able to spend time in that spot. And so we knew we had to keep that D up top up there and, and do that. We had to clear that, that large section of forest. And when we cleared the forest, there was like two absolutely perfectly situated tee boxes already there just in the ground for the middle and forward tees. So we really didn't have to even do a ton of grading in that area. So we built those two new tees as well. So this is a you know big slingshot or par four. It's um especially when you're standing on that back tee, I mean, you feel like you can just hit it a mile, just give it a rip, you know? And, uh, but, it, and, and, and this is a fairway that's a little different than most in that it, it's actually bowl shaped versus having one predominant slope, you know, I think the ideal line is to, again, like, like minis to kind of take it left, challenge that tall grass and the trees and, and get a big kick to the right, but you can also sling one out to the right and it's going to kick back to the left as well. So, so fair, but, but you could be, you know, a huge difference in how much you have into that green, depending on which one of those lines you take and execute. Just yesterday, I saw three wood and a uh, pitching wedge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of how you draw it up right there. And, and really, like I mentioned before, one of my favorite green sites that already existed out there. Um, we built a little bit of a two tier green there, but again, it has a little bit of fall off back, right? Like I almost never have, greens that just sloped one direction so i really like that kind of back right bend there that, that another one of those from the fairway where you can't see the bottom of the flag when the pins in the back and you kind of just have to trust that there's green back there so um and take on that bunker with for everything yeah. that it's worth mm -hmm. yeah and 12 is almost all carry and, and even on the left side of the green though it's safe you know there's there's that fall off little swell kind of short left that can gobble up some balls too so, Absolutely. Um, that's that's a a really, really good, like, proper hole before, like, kind of in between some, some fun holes and right before you kind of get geared up for a test. It's kind of like, hey, something, something harder is coming. Get ready for it. Um, and then the, the next tee, um, 13 tee, heading back towards the double green, you have three fairways that you can hit it in. Yeah, I mean, 13 is probably technically the widest fairway on the course because, again, you can hit it anywhere out there and you're almost definitely going to find your ball and play it again. Um, it's it's such a cool place back on that team. You can see all the way down to the red bar. And, and um, I mean, it, it's probably over a mile away and you kind of just get that whole length, that look all the way down the valley and, 
And like I mentioned before, 13 green site is, is a really nice natural green site on top of rise. And, and there's there's an intermediate rise in the fairway that was basically the perfect place for that bunker that we put um, out there that's on the right side of the fairway. Um, again, this fairway kind of slopes right to left. So the more you challenge that bunker, the, the bigger kick you may or may not get. And um, it, it's a hole that's a little bit more difficult, in my opinion, than than it looks. It plays into the wind. Typically, um, the green is fronted by a bunker front left. Uh, you you have tons of room around the green, both left, right, short, long to miss. But the green also runs away, which, which is a, a bit visually deceiving because it doesn't appear to do that from the fairway, but it actually runs off back right, which is mm -hmm. kind of a little feature that we added in the field that, that I really like how that turned out. So any anything challenging those right side pin locations is has you know it doesn't have zip on it it's probably going to go just off the fringe so and a lot of times you have some sort of uphill lie into that green um unless you miss it you know way left and you might be in, in a flat but you're still hitting up the hill and so distance control is really the name of the game on that second shot if you can control your distance you'll you'll have a, an easy shot at a two putt but if you don't you know you could be in the bunker you could be short running away or you could just Icarito it, you know, way long. There, there's all sorts of things that can happen. And so um, a really fun hole, um, you know, obviously I've said that probably 14 times now that we're through 13 holes. So <laughs> on to 14. Um, yeah, so so 14 is a little bit of a breather. And we we actually did that intentionally, we, you know, because it was, there was not much there. It's the flattest, probably the flattest single golf hole on the course. Not probably it is. And we were like, what are we going to do here? You know, what do we do with this golf hole to make this interesting? We're like, maybe we don't need to. Maybe we don't need to add bunkers because we could have had bunkers. We could have we could have made it a dog leg. We could have done something to, to kind of bust that thing up. But what we really like the concept is just like let, let the golfer rest for just a second because we knew it was coming up, you know, starting on the next hole too. So, so 14 is, I mean, the green is basically on grade. The fairways on grade. It's it's a little bit, you know, it, it's a short hole. There's really no reason to mess that one up. But well, I did the other day, so thank you very much. I hit it in the native on the left, and that native uh, on the left, it's not as thick as um the the uphill par three on the front, but it is way too thick to find a golf ball. There's no point in even looking for it. So yeah, easy hole this and that, and I messed it up. Yeah. So I mean, basically, the only thing we did was we added a little bit of ridge in the left side of that green to kind of try to create an interesting back left pin location but i mean that was a minor change everything else was just kind of kind of there the way it was and uh, i think it works like that though that back left hole location is so good i we'll, we'll see that in one of the rounds we absolutely have to um it's very difficult to get it back there to get it back to that location but like if it's in the almost have to, you almost have to play it off the green left and hope it comes back on but if you, you know, if the whole location is in the front on the right, it's pretty well an easy par. Like, go ahead and collect your breath. Try to try to make something happen before the final four holes, which is just a phenomenal closing stretch. So we start with 15. Yeah, so 15 is is a great hole. It's one that we, we changed up quite a bit as well. Um, the, the old green for that hole is actually the nursery green that's there now. And, I mean, it, it is tough height behind that oak. I mean, we're talking about a, you know, 200 plus year old 
oak tree that's 120 feet tall, probably, and, and just as wide. And the fairways looked hard left to right. I mean, there's no way to play that hole. Everyone that we've talked to that played that course before is like, yeah, you just hit it up there. It didn't matter if it was left side of the fairway or right side of the fairway. It always ended up on the right side, and you just had to try to punch one around that tree, and that was it. It, it was it just wasn't a very good hole. And, and up on the right, you know, there was quite a bit of quite a bit of space. It was very steep, but a lot of space between 15 green and 16 feet. And so we're we're looking at it, we're like, yeah, I think as long as it's not all rock, we can make that work. Like we can push material there to, to make a green, a perch green on that on that hillside. I had no idea what it was going to look like, how we're going to make it work. Um, you know, the tee shot again, taking on that fairway bunker. Most people, if they hit a decent drive, can carry that bunker. I think another place where like the further left you go there, the more your ball's going to bounce down to the right. Um, you know, if you take a direct line right at the hole, that's also a great play. You're probably going to end up in the bottom with, a, you know, maybe a nine iron, eight iron in. Um, but as we were building that green, I cut so much material out of that hill, and I didn't, I wasn't finding any rock. It was all just really good material. So we pushed and pushed, and that thing just got taller and taller. And so we ended up building, you know, a green that that even we even tamed that green. At the last minute, it's still something kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know, almost a little mean, almost. It's a, a very one of those where you just really just can't miss anywhere. Uh, you know, you got a bit of a backstop on the right, but you know, there's there's just not a good place to miss. If you miss right and the pin's tucked over against that bunker, you got to be really, really gentle with your pitch. And um, you know that that bunker is definitely a pushing the limits, I think, on what you can get away with. It's pushing limits on what you can maintain, but uh, I'm really glad even to be building because it, it's uh, it's definitely a visual stunner. Yeah, that that's just a, a stunning hole um, and, and challenging to play. Like you said, it's, it's not one that you can kind of fake a, a birdie or par there. You got to yeah. execute on three or four golf shots in a row. Yeah. Um, and so a really good hole before – a part three and a half again. Yeah, and my favorite part about that whole section of the property is that it's the only place on the golf course that you haven't seen yet. Like, you know, you see eight coming in. You can't see eight from the clubhouse, but you see it coming in. You see you see three coming in. So you can see almost everything up there, except when you're in the clubhouse, all you see is it's like the golf going around that corner. You're like, man, what's around that corner? Like, I can't wait to see what's around that corner. And, you know, you really get your first glimpse of it as you're going up number 12 and see it pretty good for 13T as well. But, but that little moment of anticipation is what I love about that section. So that's where I'd always go. Every every morning, it was kind of my thinking spot. was back there on 15 green and 16T. It's just far removed as you could be from another human most of the time. Uh, just just an awesome spot back there. I love that little corner. Yeah, a peaceful spot, but for the guys in the shotgun start who are getting started back there, that's a tough scene, and and I hate it's, it for those guys. It's not ideal. It's not ideal to start on sixteen. No, sixteen is, uh, you know, it was a long part three already. We moved the green back probably twenty five yards. The tee is exactly where it was. See, so, you know, it was already two fifteen, two twenty. Massively downhill. Um, the green that existed before was pretty bad, though. It, kind of, it was kind of counter slope into the natural slope, and it, it looked kind of awkward. And 
the, the old T for number 17 was right under that sycamore. And so in order to move the frame back, we had to move that T on, on the other side, which actually improved that hole quite a bit as well. But, but 16, you know, wanted to go pretty simple on the green. I mean, it's, it's pretty much a rounded square. Uh, there's not a lot going on. It's sloping, you know, one and a half to 2% back to front with very little kind of internal, a uh, little bit on the corners, but not much going on internally there. But that whole entire hole is just, you know, execute. Can you execute this shot? You know, and, it, you know, it's about 240, 245 today. Um, but there's really a lot of ways to play. And I mean, you can fly one onto the green. Um, my favorite play, and I know you guys have talked about it, I mentioned in previous podcasts, is just carry that bunker, you know. And, and that bunker was kind of a, a cool addition because it's one of those, you know, people talk about the old course, St. Andrews. They, they always say, oh, the, all the bunkers are right where you want to be. You know, they're right where you want your ball to land. And that's what they did. You know, and that, when, when, when that place was being evolved, when it was evolving into what it is today, you know, they, they built those bunkers because everyone was hitting in those spots and they're like, okay, we'll make you challenge it then, you know? So that was our kind of the concept there is like, let's put this bunker right here where people want to land their ball and and figure it out from there. Like, what's the play? And if you can carry that bunker by five yards, which for me is like a two hybrid and I can, I can hit it almost every time. And I, I'll carry that bunker by five yards and middle of the green. Yeah, I'm I'm stuck having to try to fly it there. I just don't have it in my bag. Uh, I keep I, I every time I try it, I am in that bunker, and and I think that 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 speaks like it's it's what forty five yards short of the green, but yeah, it's a it's, great bunker. Yeah, and it, it's that's just such a difficult shot to have that kind of you know half swing bunker shot where you don't have you know you can't can't go get it with a wedge. But you also can't probably fly a sandwich there, you know, on a typical bunker shot. So yeah, it's it's very tough if you do hit in it for sure. But um, and and of course you know you can also get in trouble left there. Uh, and trees and native, but but yeah, it's going to be a, a tough one to start on. Yeah, trouble left, and then closely mown areas to the right where you can end up in the previous fairway, um, and and have some sort of crazy funky shot trying to hit under the tree and. Uh, yeah, it, it can get very exciting on that hole. Um, before I've, I've actually never bogeyed that hole, though. I'm, I'm proud to say that it, it could easily change, but I've always made a par or better. Well, you, you know the game plan. You, you got the game plan. You're <laughs> able to execute it. You have confidence in it. Um, it sounds like the two hybrid may be something that I need to look into. It might be. Something a little in between the three iron and the five wood. Yep. Um, so 17, a – would you say that this is more of a proper par five than three? Uh, I think it's a risk reward par five or three, isn't it? I don't think, you know, the second shot on three is, I think I mentioned when we were talking about it, is challenging because you can't see. You, have, you just have to trust your number, but you can't really see where it's going. And it's, you know, 17 is reachable. It's um, on a, you know, on a good day where the wind's not howling, you can hit driver five iron into that hole, maybe even a six iron for longer guys. And um, the bunker that's kind of the main visual feature of that hole, you 
really not in play for most guys. I, I think the re- like the really longest hitters could get to it, and it, it also could probably challenges maybe the women golfers on their second shot um, more than it does the men. But it's a it's a great visual line. So just kind of taking that bunker, aiming right at the right side of it, and just letting one rip, and you're probably going to end up in pretty good shape if you do that. And then you, you're kind of left with this challenge because you're in a position where you potentially could reach the green, but you can't see anything. It's one mm-hmm. uh, when I don't know if I will call it a regret, but I kind of wish I maybe created at least some kind of visual there where you could at least maybe just even almost just walk by the side or something where you can see the green just to you know a little bit more. But but the green is kind of tucked back and left around the group of trees. So even if you're going to give it a direct go at the green, you have to really execute that shot. And, and then again, you're kind of just hoping that your ball's there when you get up there because you're not you're not really going to see it land. So another one of those where maybe, you know, I think the safe play is just coming up 40, 50 yards short, not taking on the green. Um, but take it on, execute it. You know, there's three out there, I think. So. Um, yeah, but you have to be really careful. The, the past couple times we played it, the guys who have taken it on, and just missed it right with it being firm and fast. You get down there it's towards the 18th box, across the 18th tee box into the native grass, losing golf balls. But one guy was able to chip in from down there uh, for a wow. birdie. Yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, a great shot down there. So lots of excitement that can happen. Probably not going to be many eagles, but would think that there's going to be a lot, a lot of birdies on that hole. Yeah, I believe there probably will too. Uh, you know, favorite pin there. I, I don't know. I, I guess maybe just that front right one. There's a little that little bowl front right. I love it. And back back right's pretty good too. Yeah, um, yeah, I can I can see both of those. But the the finisher, um, a visual stunner. Um, what, what do you have to say about the the kind of magnum opus? Yeah. So again, you know, eighteen is a hole from from a routing perspective that was kind of already there. We we did add a new back tee. We took a few trees out. We're able to get a little additional length, but that hole was kind of already there. But there just wasn't anything there. There was nothing, nothing visually appealing, nothing visually guiding. Um, you could see the entire green. It, it was it, it was like the, the most sloped green out there, which was hard to believe because everyone was like six or seven percent, but this one was probably like seven or eight. And so. You know, we we kicked the fairway a little to the right, not much, but a little to the right. But we just we, we knew that one has to be like a visually stunning hole. So originally we were just going to have bunker right and then the green side bunker front left. And um, we, were, we were looking at it one day, standing on the man, it's just missing something. What if we build another shorter bunker? It's kind of front left and. It really makes you think, like, all right, now I got to be really precise on my number here. Am I going to am I going to lay up and have a hundred yards in? Because again, we're talking about another one of those half half par par fours, three thirty, three thirty five. Um, no reason you can't just go get that right. And the the green is, you know, pretty punch bully. There's a it, it's not a pure punch bowl, but it, it's. You know, you almost can't hit it too far there. You can hit it too far, but it's tough to. So if you just hit it out the fairway, I mean, you got 100 yards in, and you can hit it 120 and end up on the green, or you can hit it 90 and end up on the green. So it's one of those holes that I think, because it's so visually appealing, it makes you overthink 
your your play there. It's it's a really simple hole to play. Just hit a three iron, just short of that first bunker. Hit a pitching wedge up onto the green. You're probably gonna have a birdie putt, but that's not what you want to do on the last swing, is it? So no, absolutely not. Um, and I'll yeah. see more people searching for balls just in the native area around that first fairway bunker than I, anywhere else on the course. I mean, everyone tries to take that thing on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, hand up. Uh, I, I think <laughs> the the driver is retired from that hole. I've been taking five wood out to the right, um, mm-hmm. trying to kind of get an angle to to try to play it coming around. Um, but really, a spectacular finishing hole from from the tee, looking on it, and then when you play it, and when you wrap up, you look back and it's like, holy cow! Yeah. yeah so. I think it- it's the perfect place to finish that course. I, you know, again, in its old version, it finished across the road on what's now number nine, and it just didn't feel like that's where the course should end. It needed to end like right there below the clubhouse. And, you know, we we kind of the, the driving force for for how it became a punch bowl is so we wanted to have that big backstop there and like that kind of heckle deck where you can just stand out there and and watch your buddies coming in and and. Uh, you know, watching balls hit that bank and start rolling, trickling back, and seeing how close they can get. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, we'll end the derby there um, from the one-up tees. We've almost had a hole-in-one from that tee before. Um, just lipped out. So okay. um, hopefully we can have some fireworks coming down in the fi- finale of the derby. But you've been super generous with your time tonight. I appreciate all of your insight. I got a couple of rapid-fire questions for you before we let you go, and then we look forward to seeing you here in a couple of days. Um, favorite hole on property? If you could go back and do one thing different, what would it be? Probably that little regrading on 17. Okay. Um, what is a detail you are proud of that most people don't know about or see? Oh, man. That's a good one. Um, and that little tiny punch bowl section on the back left of 11. Green. Okay. I like that. I like that a whole, whole lot. Um, hardest hole location on property. Yeah, it might be that middle, kind of just middle pin on eight. Um, front left on seven. Pretty tough. Uh, yeah. I don't know how it gets much harder than middle on eight. What do you think? What do you think? I haven't played middle on eight yet, but I can't imagine like a much harder golf shot of the ones that we've kind of seen so far. The, the front right on six is really, really difficult. Like it, it's there, but it's just, you have to execute perfectly. Yeah. That's a, like, again, it's a really tough one to access, but I think the, the punishment is not so great as it is on, on eight or, um, yeah, they don't typically put the pin there on day to day. So it's going to be a, even the guys who played out there a lot, they're, they're not going to be used to that one. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that. That's one that you know day to day they can't do that because they would get uh, too many complaints. Um, yeah. We're we're gonna take over and we're gonna you know if, if some guys complain about that one, sick. Um, yeah, but you know back way back on nine is really tough too. It's just so hard to get it all the way up there, and if you go even an inch long, it's like probably on the you know the old driving range tee. So and we're gonna have a tent set up there, so you know there's potential for some ti over leaf. Uh, in play at the extreme. Oh, there it is. All right. Uh, that would be wild. Um, all right. Final question for you. Again, thank you so much. 
what are the plans for the future of Fart Mammoth that you can kind of speak on and share with us? Yeah, so right now everything is focused on the clubhouse. The clubhouse was finally permit approved last week. They're hoping to start construction, get flitters in the ground next week. So, I mean, this will be the last event at the golf course, you know, without building construction going on out there. So it's um, very excited to to get that in the ground. It's really, you know, Mr. Chandler is, is a real estate guy. He's, he's all about the buildings and he, um, he has spent a lot of time and effort making sure that they get that building right. There's going to be a big pavilion out there. It's going to be, I think it's really going to push this place into to where it needs to be. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, the shed at Sweetens Cove or, or the temporary trailer that they have out at Park Mammoth right now. But, you know, being able to offer food and beverage and giving people even a, a reason to stay there for 30 minutes after the rounds is, is really important. And, and yeah, obviously, very excited. You guys are going to kind of get to open the practice facility and the, the driving range out there. So I spent, uh, you know, about 100 days out there last year building that and um, and making some uh, some very minor tweaks to the golf course, mostly grass line stuff. But, um, you know, very excited to get that open. There there may, I think, well, like I said, everything this year is kind of predicated and focused on the, the clubhouse. But, you know, I think um, – I don't think Park Mammoth is done yet, so I'm not I'm not exactly sure what that's going to mean. But there, I I think there's still some stuff in the pipeline that can make this place even better. So hopefully we're going to get to see that. Uh, I totally agree. Um, Park Mammoth has been a blessing to to the High Cotton Club, to our whole region, as you know, Kentuckians, Tennesseans, even our guys who drive up from Alabama down from Indiana. And so uh, I can't thank you enough for for all the work that you put into it obviously Mr. Chandler for, for believing in it, investing in it um, and just providing us with an awesome place for us to go hang out with our buddies for a weekend. And so thank you so much for, for everything and for taking the time to, to share some insight with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Connor, it's been a blast and, uh, you know, again, we can't really thank you enough either. I think that the, the energy, the positive energy that you guys have shown to this place has really helped it grow and, um, you know, it, it's helped you guys grow. It's helped this event that's coming up this weekend grow. And, uh, you know, I know it's not artificial that, that, you know, you guys really do love this place just, just as much as I do. And, um, and that's hard. It's, it's hard to believe. It's basically like one of my children. So, it, um, but yeah, really appreciate you guys as well. And look forward to this weekend. It's going to be a blast. Thank you so much, brother. Cheers. All right. Cheers, Connor.